And welcome into The Wrap. Uh, Tom Mazaway is out enjoying the, the nice weather we are having. So I am Ethan Perlman. I am joined alongside by Stephen McDonald. And we are coming to you live from the Warren RV Storage Studios in Farmington Hills, Michigan. Uh, Warren RV Storage located on uh, East 14 Mile Road between Mound and Van Dyke Road. They have 24-hour security camera surveillance, LED lighted parking area, a fenced and gated property with an assigned keypad gate code. I believe they are individual to each person. And they are operational 24-7, 365 days a year. Once again, they are located at 6900 East 14 Mile Road. And their phone number is 586-977-2770. If you listened to our last show, you heard Stephen and I talking about the college football playoff. And before we ended, we started talking about playoff expansion and what the benefits could be when it comes to recruiting and making college football a little bit more interesting. And when we ended, Stephen, we were talking about the Alabamas, the Ohio State, the Clemsons of the world, and you brought up Texas A&M being a team that has been on the rise since uh, Jimbo Fisher kind of came to them and started to bring them up, with, especially with the recruiting aspect. Would you like to share with us a little bit more of your insight on that? Yeah, so like I said, I think it was either last year or two years ago, they went about 4-8 and eight back when teams were actually playing 12 games a year before COVID. But um, yeah, and then this year, like I said, they just took that next step, it seemed like, and they made their way back into the top 10, as they probably should be as a program like Texas A&M is, and how they were, especially before Jimbo Fisher got there, but then obviously he was brought in to bring them back to that level, and I think that he's definitely a guy that can keep them in that conversation as a top 10, top even 15 team uh, consistently every single year. But yeah, like you said, every year it seems like we're talking about Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, even Oklahoma, Notre Dame, teams like that. I can go on and on, but I think that for the college football playoff, it was nice that we got the playoff in the beginning with the four teams and how it all shapes out even to this day. But I think moving forward, maybe not next year, but I'd like to see within the next few years it go to eight teams because I know there's that big debate about should it be expanded at all? Should it be eight teams? Should it be 16 teams? What are we talking about here? I think it should go to eight at least at first and then maybe do that for a couple of years and then maybe you know, 10, 15 years down the road from right now, we can then talk about taking that next step and going to 12, 16 teams, whatever it might be. But I don't think you can go from just four teams, I hit the mic, excuse me, but going from four teams all the way up to 16 because I think that's just, even from a scheduling standpoint, having to schedule that many games for a postseason would just be unreal. Not that nobody would watch it because that's another thing is who would want to watch that many games. I think plenty of people would, Mm -hmm. even your average college football fan would. I know I would and I'm sure you would as well, but I think just to go from 4 to 16 would be way too much, so I think you have to have 
somewhere in between that you say, okay, we'll go from 4 to 8, then 8 to 16, or something along those lines. But I do think that as we move forward with this idea of the college football playoff, it does need to happen. And I know that in the past, guys like Jim Harbaugh have said it, and they've said, well, he's only saying that because every year his team's just outside the top 10 or just outside the top 15. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he wants that shot. And and we can have that conversation some other time, even off the air if you want. Uh-huh. But I, I do think that there has been enough people that have said it, not just him, but there have been enough people that have said it to where it needs to be a legitimate discussion within that college football committee. And and I and I agree it needs to be expanded. Now, here is where I, I kind of differ. I'm fine if you want to expand it to 8. I'm fine if you want to expand it to 16. And here's why. These group of five teams, BYU, Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati, they're not going to get in, even if there are eight teams, in my opinion. Cincinnati had a great year. Luke Fickle is a tremendous coach. They weren't going to get in. And I'm not blaming it on the scheduling aspect. The committee, I really think, does not want a group of five team in. Yes, it could be a Cinderella story. But let's look at the facts. If Alabama's the one seed, Cincinnati's the eight, what is that final score going to look like? It's not going to look pretty. It's not going to look pretty at all. I understand that Clemson, or not Clemson, Cincinnati has a great defense. Alabama is just too much on offense. But, and I think to that point about what would the final score look like, we've seen several, and I mean several, playoff games already, Mm -hmm. even under the four-team format, where the scores have gotten out of control. I mean, a couple years ago, we saw it with uh, Clemson and Ohio State. It was, Mm -hmm. what, like 33 to nothing? And then I believe it it was believe the year before or after that one was the Michigan State against Alabama that was, where the, it was, that was before yeah where it was 38 nothing so mm-hmm. it's not like we haven't seen those kinds of games already yep. so I guess the argument a lot of people are saying is well how, how much worse could it get than that I mean you've seen teams like Michigan State go out there and get beat by 38 so how how much worse could a team like Cincinnati really do uh, so and I, I I don't know if that's a legitimate argument that we can have or that somebody can make but I do think and I've said this for at least two or three years now that the group of five does need to have some sort of a chance mm-hmm. and something that's even been brought up in the past is what if we just gave them their own four team playoff because you have like the Mountain West and different conferences like that the AAC and you know you have that- teams like UCF or Boise State mm-hmm. or any of those teams that any one of them could make that but I think then that becomes a situation of who's who's really the national champion because if you have two champions then yeah, we're, not, does... we're not pulling that UCF crap where they're calling themselves <laughs> the national champions um but no I agree with you that the group of five needs to be rep- needs to be represented and that's why I want if they do switch it I do want the 16 over the eight because with the 16, you can automatically say, okay, every conference champion, group of five and power five, has to be in. Now, how you seed them, that's up to the committee. You can figure out how you want to seed them. The other six spots are the at-large spots. You can figure out how you want to dole those out. Um, my big thing, though, with when I look at it, the first round is going to be an ugly show. Unless you have a group of five team playing a subpar power five team where you're going to get an actual game this year people are saying it could have been a great year to try it out here's where i have issue um once again 
probably, if you're looking at that 16-team format, who is the 16 seed, and how bad is Alabama going to slam them? Who is that 15 seed, and how bad is Clemson going to roll them? I mean, no offense if I'm Clemson, and let's say I get BYU. That is going to be a massacre. And I and I have respect for BYU. I don't think they can compete in a in a playoff with the powerhouses. Heck, they couldn't compete at Coastal Carolina, who had a great year and is a great team. And I have friends who go there who you know tell me all the time it's a great team, we're here to compete. Okay. Great. I just I, I wanna see it expand because I wanna see, you know, better competition but at the same time my, my concern is you're going to get okay the first round people may or may not watch because they're going to say what's the one game maybe i'll watch that there could be a potential upset the second round you're going to get more fans but then the 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 backside to this whole like two-edged sword thing is people already say the college football season is too long if you expand it to a 16-team playoff, that's four more games potentially for a team, for two teams. Um, so kind of like what I said with Major League Baseball and I said with other sports is they need to. this sport needs to make up its mind. Do they want a longer playoff or do they not want a longer season? Because extending the playoff extends your season regardless. Um, you can't have it both ways. Same thing I say about baseball. People complain baseball's too long. You know, the games take too long. Let's shorten it up. Less pitching changes. Creates more offense. Creates more offense. Games are longer. I, I'm sick and tired of, and I and I understand, it's not the fans that get blamed for this. But it's the people that are in charge of making the decisions and listening to the fans. If, if I'm the president of the NCAA... And I just ask politely to my fans, which do you want, a, a bigger playoff or a shorter season? Let, let the fans speak. But once the fans speak, stop complaining. You can't have it both ways. Unless your team goes 0-12, 0-11, whatever it is, then yeah, your season's the same length. You don't have to play anymore. You're 0-11. Sorry, Kansas. <laughs> No, but I think for me, just a couple of things is like, if they're going to expand it, you could easily maybe knock off one non-conference game. Because I think even in the Big Ten, they still play like three or four non-conference mm -hmm. games before they get into the Big Ten schedule. So by the time they're done with the, the non-conference portion of their schedule, you're into the first or second week of October at that point. Mm -hmm. So maybe knock a game or two off the non-conference schedule at the beginning of the season. That shortens it up on the back half of the season so you're not playing into the middle of December. And then if you want to then go ahead and expand the playoff, you still have now all of December where you can be playing games essentially, even with the conference championship games like the Big Ten Championship. So you, you have those now, that extra week or two where you can plug a, a first-round mm -hmm. playoff game in there, 1 versus 16, whatever, and still be able to finish by the time the actual championship is played now, which I believe this year is going to be January 11th. So you'd still, maybe within a week or two 
of that same time frame, and all you did was take off a game at the front half of your schedule, which you're going to win like 52 to 10 anyway, so what does it really do for you? But then the other thing I just looked this up is, as of 2019, there's 41 bowl games in Division Division Mm -hmm. I college football, you don't need that many. You may, you maybe, well, and, they, and they trimmed that list down from last year, which I believe was in the sixties. Um, but like my my point is like, if you want the expanded playoff, you don't need forty one bowl games. You 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 maybe need like twenty. Well, some of these bowl games, I believe, would then technically be a part of the playoff, so they wouldn't. They would still exist, right, right, right. but. Because you're pulling from yeah. that pool of teams that would go to those bowl games, potentially. Yeah. So I'm not saying you, you eliminate them altogether. I'm saying you use them for the purpose of adding to the playoff. Oh, yeah. So so technically there'd be less bowl games, but they'd just be reassigned as part of the playoff. Yep. And here's here's my kind of what a coach might think to your proposal of cutting off one or two non-conference games. We see it at the end of the year every year when they're doing the selection. Was your non-conference schedule hard enough? You are going to get teams, and I can bet hundreds of dollars, you'll get a guy from the SEC that will say, well, we're in the toughest conference in football. You know, why, and, why, do, why don't we deserve to be in? We were in the but, toughest. And that, and that also would help with this is because when you have teams like Alabama who, who schedule Chattanooga and the Citadel every well, year. Alabama's going to be in no matter what. But, and I understand that, but I'm saying like the entire SEC does yeah. it where they schedule these mm-hmm. these much lesser teams, even sometimes Division two schools yeah. to come in and play them. By eliminating games like that, now you're left with – going to AT&T Stadium and playing some Pac-12 school in one of those week one or week two games that they do now every year. So so it, it would make your non-conference schedule tougher for sure. And then you don't have to have the whole conversation of, well, who did you play in the non-conference? Because now you're looking at a team like Ohio State and it's like, well, they played Akron and Bowling Green or something like that. No offense to you being yeah, a, that's fine. But, but, but like you see my point. And then the I other do. thing is that Going back to the whole eliminating the amount of bowl games or transferring them over to to the playoff format is by doing that, you're basically taking games that most people see as more just for entertainment and not really serving much of a purpose, and you're making them serve that purpose now. So I think that in terms of who's going to watch, I think plenty more people will watch because now the game actually means something not just an extra game on your schedule that Mm -hmm. oh you get to go down to florida for a month and just hang out and then on january 1st you play a a football game but now it actually will mean something in the overall grand scheme of a college football season well and you're gonna have teams then that will have to really look at their um their non-conference schedule because this is what's hurt teams like baylor tcu oklahoma in the past oregon where they look and they're saying, okay, so you went and you played, let's say, Nevada. Well, Nevada sucked this year. I'm not, I'm not referring to this year. I don't know how Nevada did this year. Well, I'd have to look that up. But in past years, it's like looking at who you played non-conference, okay, well, if you would have played a Power 5 school, maybe you would have gotten in. So looking towards, you know, if you cut one or two, if you're a big, if you're a Power 5 school, you're not scheduling a group of five school as a as a non-conference opponent because if you're saying I only got one or two non-conference games now in my then I got my um, 
my conference schedule. I'm scheduling an opponent I believe I can beat in a Power 5 division who might be competitive in that division that I can then say on my resume, I might not have won my conference championship, but I beat a team that was better than most teams in their conference. Um, But I, I think we need to jump a few months into the future because just like college football, you know, you have the recruits that make your team better. In a few months from now, we're going to have the NFL draft, which hopefully will make a few teams better. I have no faith in my Detroit Lions. Um, we'll see who we'll see who becomes the head coach, who becomes the GM. Um, I really, I really struggle with with this part of the process because I think the team just needs to be sold. Um, either that or the owner. I'm not even going to mention their name. The owner just needs to step aside and let the football people do the football job. And I said the same thing about Tom Gorris with the Pistons. He doesn't know basketball. Step away. Let the basketball people do what they need to do to make your team winnable. And to your point about that, I'd like to believe that the Lions took at least a step in that direction by hiring um, Spielman, Chris Mm -hmm. Spielman, to be sort of an advisor to that process of hiring the next coach and GM, but he's going to stay in that role permanently to, I guess, oversee kind of all the day-to-day type operations of the team. And so I think that's at least taking a step in the right direction. Now, how well he does at that job, I don't know yet, and I'm not going to try and speculate on that at all, especially if I turn out to be horribly wrong. But I, I think that at least on on paper it sounds like a good idea and it's something that i don't think they've necessarily tried before so at least they're willing to to try Mm -hmm. things they haven't done in the past to try and shake things up a little bit now again like i said whether it works or not is a different story but but at least we have that that knowledge that they're at least trying and it's whether or not it's going to work and this is going to go back to what i just said is if the owner lets him do his job without Without the comments, um, she she you know her her mom her dad they they in the past they've brought in people to help figure stuff out. The problem is they can't stay out of it, and it's with a you know I'm just gonna say it with this. It's in a lot of businesses nationwide. You're an owner, but you don't let the people that you hire to do their job do their job. You still want control. Um, and while I hope she backs off a little bit and lets Chris and Rodwood do what they need to do to make the Lions a tolerable franchise, I'm not even going to say winnable, winnable, but tolerable. As a Lions fan right now, I'm thinking, okay, please, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Houston, please just go out and win next week. Let us get another top three pick. There's no way we can possibly screw it up again. Um, and I think, I think as just general Lion fan, the bar is set so low for this franchise and for this team and their and their coaches and what they expect that it's it's kind of sad when you think that you almost can't be disappointed by anything you do and then almost on a week by week basis by what you see on the field you're you're pretty disappointed mm-hmm. and and 
as as Maz always says, you know, rebuilding since '57 or whatever. Yep. He he likes to point that out on Twitter a lot. Uh, I just I it it blows my mind how even just in my lifetime, like I'm gonna be 23 in a few months, they've never really been. I guess you could say like consistently good because they had years under Schwartz where they went like 10 and six or something. And then under Jim Caldwell, his first year, I believe they went 11 Mm -hmm. and five or 10 and six or something like that. So they've had years where they've been good, but it's never been for more than like one or two years, maybe. And even we talked about in those last few years of Jim Caldwell, when he went nine and seven, the last two years, that's what lions fans considered good at that time. And, and yeah. yeah, Bob Quinn came in and said, that's not good enough for me. Like, I want to do better. And obviously that went completely south really fast. But but you saw that from a guy who came from an organization like the Patriots to the Lions and the Lions fans are going like, oh, my God, we we just went nine and seven, two years in a row. Like, this is this is awesome. Like, this is great. And he's like, this sucks. Like, yeah. this, like I can't believe you guys are happy with this. But that's just where this organization is and this is where this fan base is where they will literally take anything just to to see that their team is doing something right yeah and any win is a win if you're a lions fan but especially with the upcoming draft the debate now is and it really shouldn't be a a debate anymore in my opinion you lost your chance at getting two good quarterbacks last year in tugaviola and um herbert Herbert, who I said was going to be a stud, is the stud and should be Offensive Rookie of the Year unless Justin Jefferson manages to secure more votes. Um, But if I'm the Detroit Lions, I have Matthew Stafford. I mean, you could trade him. You could keep him the next, you know, this upcoming year. Let him finish out and then think about moving on. You cannot get out of this first round without drafting a quarterback. Unless it looks like there is a chance that Kyle Trask or Mac Jones fall to round two, and you can pick them in round two. Um, That's the only way I don't see you drafting a quarterback in round one. And I see people on Twitter saying, well, the Lions don't need to draft a quarterback. They need to draft an offensive line, a defensive line, You know, if you have a good quarterback, and this has been proven so many times by Lamar Jackson. I mean, Baltimore has an above-average line, but but they've dealt with injuries. If you have a quarterback who is a true dual threat. Now, people who are saying to me that Zach Wilson is a true dual threat quarterback, I'm going to laugh in your face. He is not a dual threat. He is able to make plays with his legs just like Matthew Stafford is. He's a younger version of Matthew Stafford. I mean, the kid's got an arm. He's able to move. But in my opinion, he is a Matthew Stafford-like quarterback. Now, I know people aren't going to like me for saying this, and it might be my Ohio State bias. If you have your option between Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, and let's say you're the third or fourth pick, let's say you move up a little bit because you can get as high as three after this week, If you lose, if you don't take Justin Fields, and let's hypothetically say he goes to Atlanta, which I know he would be thrilled about. He's from Atlanta. um, You are going to regret it. And people are going to say, Ohio State quarterbacks don't do well in the NFL. Look at Dwayne Haskins. We have not seen a Ryan Day, 
Ohio State quarterback in the NFL yet. Remember, Justin Fields never played for Urban Meyer. He's only played for Ryan Day. I don't know if it's an Urban Meyer thing. To be completely honest, I look back to his days at Florida. There wasn't really a Florida quarterback that came out and did great in the NFL. Tim Tebow, he had that great stretch of games, but then now he's out playing baseball. Um, Maybe it's just me, Steven. I don't know. But if you pass on fields, because Lawrence will be gone, you're going to regret it if you're a Lions fan. Yeah, and I mean, just as we wrap up here, I think talking about Dwayne Haskins, I guess it wasn't really his fault that he was brought into that situation because I saw a rumor on Twitter yesterday that somebody said they talked to one of the executives in Washington and they said that they wanted nothing to do with Dwayne Haskins where they picked him, but the ownership overruled him and that goes back to your point earlier about let the executives, let the GMs and those people do their jobs and you as owners just sit back and watch him do it like that's why you brought them in so again I think that was just another case of yeah he was a Washington area kid so it's nice that he got to go back there and play for his team but it wasn't really his fault no and they they made it clear they didn't want him there for from the moment he was drafted this has been the wrap with Maz and friends we will see you after the new year happy new year everybody